1: Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by E.P. Wealth.
2: Let's talk investing. Let's see what happened yesterday and today. Let's get to retirement. Later, I'm going to be speaking with CFP Chad Burton about the financial planning picture of the world. Yesterday, we were lower. Lower. In a determined kind of manner, in my opinion, where it didn't feel wishy-washy. It felt like it was waiting for the Fed and then go, eh, not necessarily the Fed, but CPI. We're gonna get to CPI as well. Stocks dipped yesterday's investors, you know, put that one eye on the debtness negotiation, uh, the debt ceiling negotiations, the other eye on CPI. Then there is Boeing, who had a nice day yesterday. Did a monster purchase of thirty three hundred seven thirty-sevens. That's huge. Or economy that's been struggling since the two downed aircrafts on the 737 MAX. It's really important that they keep that business moving because the world is expanding and there are more flights. AI is pulling the strings on Wall Street. In 2017, it was blockchain. In 2020, 21, it was Metaverse. In 2023, it's AI. Shares so a big data company. Plantier. Um, says it's gonna be a game changer for intelligence analysis in both military and civilian domains, and said that one client is already swooning over it. A lot going on, a lot going on in AI, live or die by AI. CEOs, they get kind of obsessed. The word metaverse was a big thing for about 12 to uh, 12 months, I'd say. Yeah, four quarters, three to four, three to five quarters. Education site Chegg is the first one to really see a lot of its business vanish. They said that ChatGP threatens its popularity amongst students cramming for exams. Google's, also known as Alphabet, their valuation plunged by over $100 billion on one single day when they flubbed a demo on AI. AI is starting to become very, very important to Wall Street. And you probably have another nine months until we find another buzzword to fall in love with. And I do think AI is going to create a lot, a lot of productivity in the United States. And there will be a lot of disruption in jobs. Yesterday, Donald Trump was found liable for sexual abuse. A federal jury ruled the former president more likely than not sexually abused advice columnist E. Jane Carroll in a Manhattan department store three decades ago. Mr. Trump's going to owe her five million dollars in damage representative George Santos was criminally charged. And but the world of politics is a mess right now, is it not? The United States lowered the mammogram screaming age to 40. The rate of breast cancer diagnosis amongst women in their 40s increased by 2% each year between 2015 and 2019. Black women are 40% more likely to die from breast cancer than white women. A lot of data going on there. A lot of advances going on as well. In Intech, one of the uh, more interesting companies with their work on breast cancer drugs. What else do we have? A woman who wrote a children's book about grief after her husband died was charged with murdering him. I do like stories like that, it's just on occasion. It makes me be very nice to my wife. President Biden met with congressional leaders at the White House yesterday to discuss the debt ceiling, and nothing was agreed to other than to meet again on Friday. so at the start of this week, we said, "What's well, coming up?" And then we looked at Tuesday's four o'clock meeting in the afternoon at the White House with congressional leaders, and we looked at Wednesday's date of CPI and we circled them now it's Wednesday CPI and Friday's meeting at the White House again. The good news is they're still talking. There has been a lot of assurances made that we will not default on our debt, but that talk remains cheap relative to the massive cost of not taking action in time to raise the debt ceiling before the extraordinary measures being employed now by the Treasury Department to pay the nation's bills. You can't turn on CNBC and hear someone who knows almost nothing about politics talk about how, oh, we're going to pay the debt ceiling. Why? Because we always have. And I'm even... Falling victim to that at times. Total CPI was up four tenths of a percent month over month. It was up 4.9% year over year versus 5% in March. Core CPI, which excludes food and energy, was up four tenths of a percent month over month and up five and a half percent year over year, but down from 5.6% in March. The key takeaway from the report, because you don't really care about those numbers, I don't think. The key takeaway is the market is concerned about inflation and that the market should be seeing moderation in inflation. Coupled with moderation in the sheltering index, that should at least spur the Fed to entertain keeping the policy rate on hold when it meets again in June. Stock market's optimistic today. Stock market's like a moody, moody um, lover. It's funny because I want to say moody, moody girlfriend. I'm like, don't say girlfriend because that's... uh, What do I say? What do I say? Love interest? No. How about a moody partner? So, stock market's optimistic. This is what the stock market wants. The index for shelter was up four-tenths of a percent, was the highest contributor. However, the four-tenths of one percent increase was the smallest increase in shelter since January of 2022. I'm not gonna say it all, it's all in how you slice it. It's not. Um, let's take a look at the stock market's response to this. And the first page I opened up showed up on Clarence Thomas. And I'm telling you, politics is just making me oof this year. So the Nasdaq shots up, shoots up 94 points on the open. That's a big open. That's up eight-tenths of a percent. The Dow, not so much, up one-tenth of a percent, and the S&P 500 up 18 points, up almost one-half of a percent. Airbnb, a company I own, not doing well after they reported a forecast of revenue slowdown. It was a tough comparison year over year because about a year ago, we started coming out of COVID and we we're, were going straight into, we got to go on vacation. Q2 is turning out to be a little bit tougher comparatively given Omicron last year but they're seeing overall stable demand for the back half. Airbnb stock fell 15% in pre-market trade. I'm trying to fight it right now. There it is, down 12% right now. So, revenue was 1.8 billion versus expectations of about 1. 1.8, 1.79. Earnings were 18 cents versus 12 cents expected. Knight's booked 121 million actual versus 122 million estimated. One of the shifts going on in the hotel and leisure category right now are people are being told you can't work remote. So some people are going, well, I shouldn't buy a remote home, then a vacation home or I shouldn't do vacation while I'm well, I shouldn't go to a vacation vacation work. So that's happening out there. Let's take a look at some of the other stories. <laughs> I've got some good ones today for you. Five ways the rich save big on estate taxes. <clears throat> that does kind of make you mad. And I know it makes me mad when you see, oh, Warren Buffett pays a smaller amount of taxes or Donald Trump pays no taxes, right? Those kind of stories make the average person pretty insane. If you take a look at how much money you lose in your paycheck, thanks to tax cuts made during the Trump administration, Americans can give or hand down nearly 13 million in assets without paying federal estate tax. Only two-tenths of 1% of taxpayers have to worry about that, this tax. And people who have $13 million, typically have an accountant who know other tax breaks to get. Ways the wealthy control their tax liability, are using trusts to give away homes and uh, country houses. Qualified personal residence trusts, also known as QPRTs, effectively freeze the value of real estate property for tax purposes. Wealthy people evade taxes by giving money to charity via trusts. CRTs, charitable remainder trusts, allow moneyed Americans to have their cake and eat it too. Plenty of affluent taxpayers deduct charitable donations from their taxable income, but the ultra-rich can parlay their philanthropy into a guaranteed income for life. How you do this? You, as a taxpayer, put assets in a trust. You collect annual payments for as long as you live, and you get a partial tax break. Only 10% of what remains in the CRT has to go to the designated charity. Have you ever heard of a CRT, Charitable Remainder Trust? He was speaking with CFP Chad Burton in a few segments about that kind of content. Uh, Buying offshore life insurance policies, transferring depressed assets during a market slump. That's something I have done. I know um, not quite in the form of a trust, When Apple was down in 2022, I gifted what I was legally allowed to gift from me and my spouse to both of our kids. So let's just say they've got a pretty big head start on the world. And I got to take something that's super appreciated that I had a big tax liability on and gift it to them. So I cut my tax liability. It's interesting, right? But also I funded my children. Don't tell them, by the way. Don't want them to grow up to be spoiled brats. (laughs) That's the biggest fear, right? It has to be. Um, Stocks are rising after the CPI report shows continued cooling. Again, I didn't see that big of a drop in CPI, but it's nice that Wall Street did. So have we hit peak savings rates? Because Wall Street's responding favorably to the CPI data. Will the Fed be able to put on hold? the interest rate cuts or hikes and just say, we're going to wait and see what happens while the data comes in. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.
1: Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth.
2: Let's get started thinking about financial planning today. Joining me will be CFP Chad Burton with EP Wealth. He's a regional director and a CFP. A uh, certified financial planner that's an accreditation that you probably didn't know 20 years ago, but you certainly do now. You've been listening to the show. Chad and I will be doing an event May 25th, Thursday evening, in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. It's for wealth preservation and tax planning issues. You can sign up for the event at ChadBurton.com. That's ChadBurton.com. Chad! there are constantly news stories that make us feel positive sometimes they make us feel negative about stocks and bonds and other asset classes and financial media differs like golden clay where you're getting your information how do you project the volatility in a financial plan i guess it's it's tied towards that emotional up and down on whether you're in positive or negatives and and how about tying you know the volatility into a successful um outcome i know you do it but that has to take a little bit of navigation.
3: Yeah, I mean you just we have software that can run multiple scenarios. So most of the time when you're looking at a financial planning projection where you have income sources in one column, you know, other types of income in other columns whether it's stock options from where you work, net real estate income, you've got your expenses in another column um your 401k contributions and roth contributions in another column and you're projecting that out from your current age through age 100 you have got to pick some sort of a rate of return right you've got to display mm-hmm. something and so it's you're typically using a linear rate of return um and 100% sure the plan is going to be incorrect in terms of your annual numbers over time it'll all pan out but that's not how the market works, right? The stock market, if we look over the last fifty years, ending twenty twenty, stock is the S and P five hundred is averaged twelve point three percent, and the it was positive positive seventy eight percent of the time. So what about the other twenty two percent of the time? So what you have to do is is run a conservative rate of return based on how you're investing. Currently, and how you'll be investing in retirement. So, for example, retirement is going to be more of a 50 50 or 60 40 type of portfolio, meaning typically around half in stocks, half in bonds, something like that. Um, And so, what you can do is you can look at history and say, okay, if I'm going to be conservative on my linear projection, Um, because you don 't want to project too high of a rate of return and, and plan for overspending, you want to be conservative, you could look at a time frame like two thousand seven to two thousand and seventeen, which was arguably one of the hardest decades to look at as an investor um, You had the great recession in there we had a large decline in the stock market of thirty seven percent in two thousand and eight uh but even with that in there a portfolio from the one of the worst times to invest at the top of the market in 2007 to 10 years later even a globally diversified balanced portfolio averaged over 5.6 percent which is not a rate of return you'd be happy with for for 30 years but it's just a, a taking a chunk of history and saying what could be a rough period of time and using that in the plan and say is my plan successful with that conservative you know, linear rate of return. If I got, if I received that for thirty years of retirement, would I still be okay? Um, but then the next step is, and, and you just want to make sure your expenses are right too, Rob? Rob. And can I, mean,
2: I stop you there for a second? And is yeah. eight point isn't eight point four percent a good rate of return in retirement?
3: Well, eight point four is yeah. I mean, okay. that's so. If we look at the last fifty. Years right. that ended I've got to update this chart, but because obviously 2022 is a rough year on portfolios, or the average balance portfolio is down yeah, somewhere around 14%. But 50 50 portfolio of S and P 500 and government bonds um, from 50 years ending twelve thirty one twenty twenty 31 2020, average 9.7 percent. Right, so. Yeah. You, you want to you, we're, we're, you want to use a conservative rate of return on your linear cash flow projection. Like if, if if you go into a very slow period of time, especially in the first years of retirement. Um. So when you're doing, you remember how Cisco used to be really good, Rob, at, at announcing the, announcing their expectations of earnings and then beating it by two cents. Very much so. Hey, we're going to be really conservative, but then they always beat it by two cents.
2: Under-promise, over-delivered, it felt like financial engineering.
3: Yes. And so, in this case, you want to do that. You want to under-promise your rate of return so that you can make sure that if things are very lackluster for a long period of time, we go through a slow phase in the world, are you still going to be okay through age 100 What could your spending be if that's the case? But then you use the plan using actual holdings. And the numbers that I gave you are just S&P 500 and government bonds. How how we truly invest is S&P 500 is just large cap. In portfolios, we have large cap, small cap, mid cap, international, emerging markets, commodities, real estate, and sometimes other alternative asset classes. So it's much more diversified. And each one of those asset classes has a historical rate of return. And a certain amount of volatility in terms of uh, if here's the average return is X, but the, the, the actual return on an annual basis is usually higher or lower than that. And so what you do is you use the actual asset classes that the person owns and you project the returns based on that. And then you can also run what's called Monte Carlo simulations, which say, OK, let's assume we rebalance the portfolio every year to that asset allocation And we have a certain amount that we're withdrawing every year, adjusted each year for inflation based on those actual asset classes and their historical rates of return and the volatility and everything else that comes along with it. What is a success rate? So we can actually get a success rate of a financial plan using Monte Carlo simulations. And then you can show that, okay, if you invest slightly more conservative or slightly more aggressive, um, how does that change your success rate? If you spend a little bit more or a little bit less, how does that change your success rate? Um, so for me personally, as long as I know the portfolio is set up correctly, where you have the proper amount of safe money and then the correct portfolio, um, and you have a specific rebalancing strategy that, you know, I've talked about on the year on the air for 22 years now, as long as I get an 85% plus, uh, 85% or more success rate on the Monte Carlo simulations. And we have this withdrawal strategy set up then we're good to go on retirement. If we can't meet those numbers, then I'm either going to tell you to work longer, spend less or, or, or some other issue.
2: Interesting. And it just, again, when I even said, I didn't challenge you, but when I said out loud, isn't 8.4%, I was like, I got it. We got to also factor in inflation and what a lot of people have recently seen. So what are some other tests that you can throw out of plan, Chad? Um, because obviously- Before we talk about
3: that. Let's let's talk about oh. that 50-50, because I think what you did is read ahead. <laughs> you over the like I said over the last fifty years, if you look at a portfolio where it's fifty percent in the S and P five hundred and fifty percent in government bonds, the average rate of return was nine point seven percent for fifty years ending at the end of twenty twenty. Now, if we think about what bonds did during that time frame, Rob, we yes. had a, a decreasing interest rate since two thousand seven. Oh. Okay, and bonds crushed on performance because the the value of the bonds went up even though the interest income went down and the opposite happened in 2022 and i don't think we're going to re- expect that same rate of return on bonds over the next 10 years
2: your information is very high end because it got me turned around there thanks for correcting me on that cfp chad Burton he has his own podcast you can find it where you consume podcasts, i.e apple in google phones um, so on the web at spotify You can find him at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. Big event coming up May 25th. It's another event. It feels good to be doing events again in 2023. We're going to be talking taxes and talking wealth preservation in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Sign up today at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com.
1: Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth.
2: One of the areas that I think I'm... Well understood. I understand investing. I get it. But when it comes to financial planning, I think it's a little bit more intricate and it's a little bit more subtle. The first segment that Chad did with me on the podcast today, I'm going to have to go back and listen to because he's talking about running different ideas all at the same time and finding what works best for the portfolio. Whereas in my little linear brain, I'm thinking, well, last year wasn't good, but next year will be okay. And that's not the way to do a financial plan. Chad, what are some other tests that you throw into a plan? And Chad, you can find him at chadburton.com. chadburton.com. is podcast is New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Chad, what are some other tests um, to make sure that sure. You, we're, we're all good?
3: Well, the first one is really going through the expenses. And for a lot of people, this is kind of a work in progress for the first few years of retirement because you go from working 40 to 60 hours a week to... You know, what am I going to do when I get up today? Yep. Um. But you have to make sure that your expenses are, are are close, at least, or you set a spending limit on your general lifestyle expenses, and then you have to use inflation. What are your normal expenses going to inflate at? Property taxes, things like that. And the other issue to think about is that, all right, I've got taxes to pay. And so... You know, your bank accounts and your taxable brokerage accounts, they're going to kick off taxes every year, no matter what, you know, even if you're not spending money out of your joint account or your trust account with yourself or your spouse, stocks pay dividends, bonds pay interest, and unless they're tax-free bonds, they're going to cause a tax bill. And then when you withdraw extra money, if you're taking it out of a 401k or an IRA, you're going to pay ordinary income taxes. If you own a stock or a mutual fund or an ETF directly... Like in a brokerage account, when you sell that, you're gonna pay capital gains on the growth in the share price so there's there's two different brackets that are going on there, and so, as you withdraw money, you have to make sure that you're also dealing with taxes on your overall expenses and the other couple of you know tests that you do on your expenses have you thought about everything? Have you thought about that new car every so often, or you know a perpetual lease on a car uh weddings that you might still have to pay for? remodeling your home every so often, um, other healthcare costs. If you're a high income earner, your Medicare part B premiums are going to be a lot higher than your neighbors. That's called Irma. I R M A A. You can you know look that up at Medicare.gov. Um, and so you, you've got to you've just got to make sure you've got everything in there. Gifts to grandkids, uh, hobbies. You're going to buy an RV. You're going to get a second home. Nice. Those types of things. Um And then I, the big one, of course, is that once you have that all dialed in, you know how much your total expense package is, right? With okay. your living expenses and uh, your taxes and all that, you have to make sure you, you have the proper amount of safe money. That's a big test. How are you going to get through difficult years like 2022? That was a year, Rob, that was the first year in a long time when both stocks and bonds were down together. So unless people had some safe money on the sidelines, they were selling at a loss, which is something you absolutely want to avoid in retirement. Uh, and that was, the market's, that, go that was kind of an
2: interesting time to have safe money because we weren't getting very much interest on it. And that made people crazy. So they looked for other ways, other places to put it. And that it's a lot like the banks. It turned out to be a little bit more risky. Now, a year later, you're getting a pretty good rate of return on your cash, uh, historically yeah. speaking. So it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So go ahead.
3: Well, yeah. And if people aren't getting 4% plus on their cash, they're not doing it right. right? If there, there's so many online bank options, I mean, even Apple launched their program with Goldman Sachs, right? of 4.15% or something, whatever the rate is. I haven't looked at it lately. But on your liquid FDIC insured cash, you should be getting 4% now. And so that's good news for retirees because we haven't had that rate forever. And that helps offset inflation a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. But the safe money calculation, you take all of your expenses, including taxes, minus you know things like Social Security, things like um, pension, if you have it, if you have very dependable rental income. And then also minus things like the dividends and interest on your taxable accounts, not your retirement accounts, but your taxable accounts that you're automatically going to be paying taxes on anyway. So you might as well start spending it if you need it. Um Whatever's left over, that's coming out of principle each year of your portfolio. And in my opinion, you need three years worth of that principal draw in safe, safe money. So that when you go through a year like twenty twenty two, which happens every so often, you're not forced to sell in a down market and turn around, and look, you know, some of the stuff that was hit the hardest rob, like tech, is now up double digits this year. And so you you have to give the market a chance to recover when it's down. And as long as you're not selling when it's down, you're, you're just letting paper losses eventually turn back into positive gains. Interesting.
2: Um, let's talk a little bit more. Um, some things that you have to really test to make sure you, you're robust enough. Sure. I was speaking with a man this weekend who he and his wife are in their 70s, mid-70s. And I was like, what are you going to do when you pass? Who's going to manage the money? But even more importantly, do you have long-term care? And he, he looked at me and he scoffed and he's like, I'm not going to need it. And I was like, I didn't know if I was supposed to think that he doesn't want his life taken care of with long-term care. Like it, It brings up a lot of questions because that's another big cash consideration or money consideration, financial consideration for retirement, long-term care.
3: It is. You know, and I've had so many funny conversations in this. Um I mean I've got one client funny that, funny
2: sad or funny haha. Funny
3: sad it's just interesting how people process it this. And this one was like the person that it came from was <laughs> I didn't expect it. He said, "Oh no, I'm not going to go into a long-term care facility. Uh my friends and I, we all have the diaper club." <laughs> the diaper club. What, <laughs> What's do that intriguing? Yeah. So it's a group that he hunts together with every single year and if one of them ends up needing a diaper later in life, they're all going to go hunting, but they're all not going to come back.
1: That's that's what he said to me.
3: So, all right, well, that's, that's your plan. Um, But uh, you have to model that situation in. And especially I have some clients, Rob, that we were just talking with over this last weekend where both sides, both parents ended up in some sort of memory care, either for Alzheimer's dementia. That's some rough that that's like, uh, if that was my issue, I would be, I would be potentially looking at, you know, what are some gene therapy options? What can I change in terms of my diet and other things like that? Because if that's on both sides of the parents, odds are there's, it's going to hit them. Right. Right. And one of them is going to be going into a nursing home. Memory care is the longest one. Like I had a grandfather that went in for six months and passed while my grandmother is in memory care for eight years and blew through the assets
2: this is turning depressing because one of my one of my my good friends his mother retired and almost instantly went into memory care and the father tried to commit suicide from depression in retirement like getting old getting old in america is not fun
3: sometimes you know i mean in watching this you know i got into the business at 19 and and then was working with my grandfather much older clients. So Mm -hmm. it's literally changed the way I think about life I agree. and making sure that I don't mind. I love what I do. So I don't mind working longer. I'll spend more money making memories now with my kids and, um, you know, travel and doing that kind of stuff that I know once I'm, you know, into my eighties, it's going to be tougher to, to make those memories and do those things.
2: Heard Michael J. Fox recently say due to his disease, um, that he can't remember dating one of the Bengals in the 1980s, 1990s, and I was like, wow. And I looked at Michael J. Fox as my own age at that time, if that makes any sense, he was kind Mm -hmm. of a peer. Life changes fast. You need a financial planner to hit all these ideas with safe money, with long-term care, with expenses, inflation, and retirement. This is a big deal. Come to the event May 25th, Thursday, in Palo Alto, the Elks Lodge. It's retirement planning. It's wealth preservation. It's taxes. You meet Chad Burton. Go to ChadBurton.com. It's ChadBurton.com. Big event May 25th in Palo Alto.
1: This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com.
2: It's always a pleasure to talk with Chad Burton, CFP, Certified Financial Planner, EP Wealth. You can find him at chadburton.com. If you like his content on the show, he does a longer form podcast. You can find it online uh, where you consume podcasts, either Apple or Google's uh, podcast buttons on your phone. Or you can go to Spotify if that's the way you want to listen to it at work. I think you will get a nugget or two every single podcast that will help you on your way to retirement. The biggest mistake that I see are people who try to do the financial plannings on their own. Because, Chad, I think we can create wealth on their own. Look, I can create wealth on my own. But the financial planning is too tricky for me, especially with a spouse and a high net worth. Um, I need that extra point of view. I need that expertise, that software. I need the things that I don't want to hear. Let's talk about the Roth conversions, because mathematically, this gets kind of tricky. I asked my CFP, Brad, who works with you at EP Wealth. I said, should I be doing Roth conversions? Um, And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. You're too high tax bracket right now. We'll get you in a couple of years. Don't worry. I won't forget. And I love that he said, I won't forget because I will. (laughs) I'm not saying that I have memory (laughs) care issues, but maybe that's a preview, right? Um, Let's talk a little Roth conversions. What do we need to know? Because I've even seen articles recently, are Roth conversions as good as they sound? So the media is looking into these.
3: Well, I mean, you have to meet a couple of different criteria. And number one is that you have a really good detailed financial plan. You know, that cash flow analysis that we were talking about Mm -hmm. when you have... Either a you know a linear that means just a flat conservative rate of return. How much money do you have left at age one hundred, and then the, the the returns based on your exact your actual asset classes. And the first idea here is that do you have money left over when you're a hundred years old? Okay, um, because one of the things that you you want to know we were talking about last segment about the cost of long term care and things like that and. What people have to realize is that when your medical expenses go way up, sometimes having your income, your taxable income go higher helps you, you know, use up those expenses as a deduction. So long story short, when you're funding those costs of long-term care, oftentimes you're doing it out of an IRA or 401k that's never been taxed. And a Roth wouldn't have helped you that much if you're running out of money when you're age 85 to 90, right? I mean, it's not going to do much for you. So when we look at financial plans where there's quite a bit of money left over and we're trying to say, how do we minimize taxes for the whole family? You know, how do we make it so that it's it's good for the you know couple that's retired, but it's really good for the kids, where if a child inherits a Roth IRA, they get another 10 years of tax free growth. That's pretty amazing. That is amazing. And uh, I like so that can IRA. be very powerful. And those with larger estates, too, it's also like, okay. If you make sure that the taxes are paid in the estate that's subject to federal estate taxes, it lowers not only the income tax liability to the children, but it also lowers the amount of money that's subject to federal estate taxes. So it can be very powerful much for much larger estates that are definitely leaving a lot of money. Um, now, most of the time what we're looking at is we can say, okay, Every year, we're pulling a certain amount of assets out. You're automatically paying taxes on 85% of your Social Security in most cases, your pension, your dividends and interest from your taxable accounts, your required minimum distributions. And you just look at the tax bracket and say, at that existing tax bracket, well, there's 12 or 22%. How much is left over where you can make small IRA to Roth conversions each year and start building up a tax-free account for the future? And so we're always looking at that calculation every year, especially either after a big market correction when it's just a great time to do an IRA to Roth conversion when when the stock market's low, or towards the end of the year when you know what the tax situation for the year is. But you kind of kind of look at it and say, okay, is there going to be money left over for my heirs? Yes. Do I have cash on the sidelines to pay the taxes when I make the conversion? Those are some two basic ideas to say, yeah, I should I should be considering this. Um And I can't even tell you what percentage is, because it seems like most of America is drastically underprepared for retirement. But those that are, you know, either in good shape, you know, those that come in are typically, you know, to meet the account minimums are typically in good shape or are really good shape. And they're worried about estate planning and taxes. It's
2: pretty interesting that you said most Americans are ready for retirement or don't have enough assets, you know, to survive retirement in comfort and style. I, I see it as worse than you do because the job that you work in, Chad, you're dealing with high net worth clients, $500,000 or more. Um, I get the calls from people who are out in the East Bay who have nothing, nothing. Yep. And it's it's a question like I'm 59 years old. I've saved $7,000. I feel like I'm behind. Am I? I'm like, yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And at that point, you, you focus on. Getting into a job that's that you'll be physically able to do for that's right a much longer period of time. That's the priority there. It's not you know whether I fund a Roth IRA. It's how do you continue to make income for a much longer period of time.
2: I could paint a good cat in oil, so I'm hoping oil paint cats take off in in appreciation because that could be my retirement plan if all goes bad. So you Um, have to
3: die first for art to to be worth something.
2: That's true. You know you're stealing (laughs) my idea. I used to. I go to the Museum of Modern Art in San Jose because they've got a lot of artists who are, are cutting edge. The San Francisco, they're, they're too expensive. But I go to the one in San Jose, and then I, I look to see their health. And if, if they've got a disease, I'm like, ooh, I might want to pick one of those up. Um, <laughs> it's a little creepy, a little morbid, but it's Rob Black. I got an email just now, Chad. I have an inheritance IRA. I was informed that I have seven years to take the money out. Inheritance IRA, seven years to take the money out. I'm 55 and planning on retiring in three to four years does it make more sense to take the money now while still working so I can pay for the taxes on it? Did that make sense or should I send that to you?
3: Um, You you can't. So what happened during COVID and all the care act changes and everything else, it, it used to be that when you inherit an IRA, so let's say your parent dies, they have money left in their IRA. You're the beneficiary. What you have to do is at that custodian, like Schwab, Fidelity, wherever the IRA is at, you open an inherited IRA. Okay, where it's you know um Chad's father disease for the benefit of chad Burton inherited i r a the money goes into that, and in the past that used to be able to take a small amount over your lifetime, you could take as much as you want, but you only had to take a little bit out each year, and you could defer the taxation over your entire life. The new rule is now ten years, and so the idea is is do you take a little bit out each year or do you wait till the tenth year and just let it grow grow, and then take the big tax hit? That's a very personal situation. I would work with a, your CPA or your enrolled agent that's doing your tax return and say, make sure you're if, if you look at your financial plan in the future and you know what your tax bracket is each and every year, which is part of a good financial plan, um, you should be able to create a more efficient withdrawal strategy.
2: Good to know. Good to know. And thanks for answering that on the fly. And it shows how smart chat is because I didn't stump them. <laughs> one day I will one day. Um, Let's talk about things that derail a plan, Chad. And again, you can meet Chad Thursday, May 25th. And that's coming up uh, in Palo Alto Elks Lodge, our favorite place to do events. Great parking, easy to get to. Um, 6.30 to 8.30. It's all about wealth preservation and taxes and income and retirement. You can learn more at chadburton.com. You can even make an appointment at chadburton.com. What derails a plan? Because you sent me a list and one of them has a... One of them has me thinking. Let's just say,
3: spending too much too early is a big one. Um, okay. This I typically see when when people are used to having a high income and watching their assets grow, and they've 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 known just at the household level that they're always saving money, so they're spending less than what's coming in, and so they're always continuing to save. They're t- those are tend to be pretty positive people that know that they'll always have the ability to, to make more and continue to advance their income. And so that's kind of a hard adjustment for those types of people that in retirement, they're a little bit more bored, right? If they go from 60 hour work week to to less, there's two types of people, those that just become, they don't know what to do. And they just kind of sit there and those that are continue to do be very active and they, they can tend to overspend. And overspending in the early years of retirement, especially if you couple that with like maybe a pretty rough period in the market, yep. that can happen. That that can be mathematically really rough on a financial plan. Um, so you, the early years, you really need to stick with that budget and and you know say, is the budget that I created actually accurate? And finally, track those expenses to see what's going on. How do you plan for this in retirement, Chad? We had five thousand inches of
2: rain in California this year. I think we had 200,000 feet of snow. I got a little bubbling on on part of my patio. So got a little bit of water underneath it. That's going to have to be fixed before it turns into rot. Um, I'm glad I'm not retired. Uh, maybe I'll work a little extra shift this weekend, uh, you know, delivering pizzas or something to, you know, pay for that unexpected expense. I'm not going to work delivering pizzas, but how do you deal with um, just crazy events like a, a rainy year?
3: Well, so typically when we have a piece of real estate, we in the expenses we put in a certain amount of annual maintenance and many years you won't pay that for right. other years you'll pay 50 grand to do something that you need to do. Um, so you have to build maintenance costs into every piece of real estate that you own, whether it's your second home, uh, whether it's even your condo that has the HOA fees. I've got some clients that uh, you know recently bought um, an apartment in New York and six months after they go in, they, they, association does an assessment. Now they have to pay 48 grand for some upgrades on something. You know, they kind of knew about it going in. It was, it was disclosed, but they didn't think it would be so soon. So you have to build in maintenance to real estate. I honestly spend a lot of time, Rob, helping clients that, you know, buy vacation homes. And then five years later, they don't use it as much as they thought. And they end up wanting to get rid of it and just use that money to travel anywhere they want. It's, it's
2: amazing. People still do that. Um, let's wrap up the segment here do a little plug for you, your show, come back for one more segment for the record. I've heard on maintenance on your home. You should plan for 1% of the home's value per year. 1%. 1%. So a million dollars, 10,000 a year, you should set aside. Seems a little high, but it's, it's the right idea. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. He and I have been working together on podcast and media for 20 plus years. Great content. You can find his podcast in Google, at Apple, at Spotify. New Focus on Wealth. Big event coming up May 25th in Palo Alto for those who haven't been to events before. You can learn more about income and wealth preservation at chadburton.com.
1: Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth Certified Financial Planners online at robblackshow.com. There's
2: a lot going on in the current market. Instead of listening to me talk today, let's listen to CFP Chad Burton. He's with EP Wealth. You can find him. You can hire him. He's at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. I strongly suggest if you have 500,000 to a couple million, you're in that 55 year old range. You need to start thinking about financial planning, at least to meet with a financial planner to start learning what you don't know. Chad, we're talking about things that can derail a plan and talking about spending too much early in retirement. That's going to be me. Um, me and my spouse don't have a uh, great control when it comes to spending money. So I'm paying attention. What else can derail a plan in retirement?
3: Well, let's talk about that because you know, next year, Rob, I'll have three kids in college at once for a year. <laughs> so it's like really hard to get a, a handle on, OK, what am I going to re- spend when I'm 65 versus, you know, 48? Um,
2: your, your youngest son, how is he still in college? He's been he's got like 10 degrees already, it feels like
3: well he's working on two more so he's got the personal financial planning degree um realized how much little he had to do to get a um uh math and a a psychology degree and he's looking more at neuroscience now so i think he's still uh on that uh, you know collect um letters kind of a path um no, I know you've so always made your... He's very interested in that stuff So it's and in, in how it even relates to personal finance and
2: the financial markets. You've always encouraged your children to have summer jobs when they're not doing school. Um, are you paying for his college? Are you making him get some loans? We yeah, want to know, I mean, Chad. He,
3: he's... It, what's interesting is he's the cheapest one probably so far at Texas okay. Tech because he got a scholarship that gave him in-state tuition day one. Wow. Um, we've got... Uh, they, you know, they all did some scholarships and other things like that. Uh, Ava is going to be my most expensive one going to U of O, which doesn't participate in the in-state tuition program for some of the other ones. So, um, and she wants to de- be a financial advisor and they don't even have the specific coursework. So I don't know We're we're still talking about that one, but yeah, the third one goes off in September. So
2: just for the radio audience and podcast audience, Chad's children all look like they came out of the song of music. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. <laughs> You've got good-looking kids. Um, Thank you. Um, but let's uh, talk about that. I ask if you paid for your kids' college because the next thought is enabling children. What, what are your angles that we need to know here that could derail a financial uh, plan?
3: I mean, I've seen so many different stories. You and I were talking about one where you get the one kid that's that's really good at selling mom and dad on every single business idea and yeah. investing opportunity. Um, I saw a couple lose fifty grand on a concert promotion idea. Um, or, you know, kids that are just constantly making poor decisions and financially they, they, you know, pick this kid up constantly. Now, some will adjust their estate plan where if they're giving money away while they're alive, it cuts into what they're going to give them when they pass away. Okay. And at least that helps make it feel feel a little bit more fair to the other children. If you have more than one, um, But it's just, it's just something that these people, you know, haven't put into their budget yet. They're still funding 30, 40 year old children. Like they're still 18 and going to college. Um, At some point you have to put your foot down and say, I'm not doing this again, figure it out on your own. Because if you don't, they're going to continue to make bad decisions knowing that mom and dad are always going to be there to financially bail them out. And then I guess another one, Rob, that, uh, is becoming, especially post COVID, um, a lot more common is the gray divorce situation where, you know, people have gone through the empty nester situation and then the retirement situation. And then realize that, you know, Hey, we we don't like each other anymore. (laughs) They're just done. And when you have a financial plan that's working, as soon as you split it in half, it doesn't work the same. Expenses when you you know are not just split in half. You then have two homes, two maintenance costs of one percent, like we were talking about. You have property taxes, furnishings, all of those different things. So that can significantly alter a financial plan. Um, investing too conservatively or too aggressively is is a big one. You're too conservative, especially when you know a few years ago when bonds and cash weren't earning anything. Yep. That was a problem. How do you keep up with inflation when bonds are yielding less than, you know, 2% on the 10-year treasury? And then too aggressively, you know, there's a report out, there's a recent Morningstar article that talked about um, dynamic withdrawal strategies and altering based on how the market's doing that year and that higher equity. And when I say higher equity exposure, that's the same thing as saying just more stocks, equity mm-hmm. and stocks is the same thing in our world. But higher equity exposure can allow for a higher withdrawal rate, which it can if you have that safe money on the sidelines, the three years where the portfolio draws safe somewhere. You can have a higher equity exposure as long as you have the stomach for it, right? You're going to have more negative years. You're going to have a higher long-term rate of return over 50 plus years, but you're going to have much more volatility in years like 2008, where you could see a 37% decline before it recovers and goes back to the races. And so that's fine as long as you don't do one of the biggest ones that I see alters retirement which is panicking out at the bottom. Those that panicked out in 2009 at the bottom or during COVID at the bottom, they're financially altered forever. You know, missing out on those huge run-ups the, the next year. It's uh it, it significantly changes their financial plan. So you have to make sure that you look at the portfolio that you're being advised to go into and say, okay, what are the what's the average rate of return? What's the typical you know what's a really good year? But what's a worst case scenario? And equate that number, equate that you know decline to real dollar values. Ten percent of a million is a hundred grand. Ten percent of two million is two hundred grand. How would that feel on paper if your $2 million, two million dollar nest egg all of a sudden became one point eight million? Would you panic out and forever alter your financial plan. So you have to invest, um, you know, just right. That porridge is just right. I guess you could say.
2: Interesting because the gray divorce doesn't, I don't see a lot of people with that. I just don't know a lot of people who are that age and the investing too aggressive. I see a lot of that panicking out. I see a lot of that from people I know of, is it safe to be in the market? Anyway, it's safe to listen to CFP, Chad Burton. You can hear him online in podcast, Spotify, Apple and Google. It's a new focus on wealth with Chad Burton. A big event coming up May 25th in Palo Alto. Sign up at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com.
0: Thanks, Chad. Retirement planning is more complicated than ever, and it can be hard to even know where to begin. So set aside Thursday evening, May 25th, and get ready to learn some strategies from Chad Burton and Rob Black that can help you retire better and pass on your estate while minimizing taxes. That's May 25th at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. This event will focus on retirement income and tax planning. If you're nearing or are in retirement and have at least $500,000 in investable assets, this seminar is for you. Chad will explain how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, how to protect your estate from long-term care costs, and much more. Learn how to invest during high inflation and interest rate moves, social security strategies, and managing IRAs and 401Ks in retirement. Rob Black will share market happenings and trends. That's Thursday, May 25th, 6.30 p.m. at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. Sign up for the event at ChadBurton.com. For KDOW listeners, we'll waive the sign-up fee. ChadBurton.com.